Hello listeners and welcome to the Montel Weekly Podcast, bringing you energy matters in an informal setting. In the first pod after the summer break, we will delve deeply into an issue in Europe's guarantee of origin market that took many by surprise. In late April, and without warning, the Association of Issuing Bodies, or AIB for short, a type of regulatory body, issued a ban on Icelandic geos amid question marks over double counting. This was soon followed by a similar suspension by Germany's environmental agency. Many said the ban harmed the credibility of the entire market. The AIB has since lifted the ban, as has Germany. But what happened to trigger the suspension and what was the reaction in Iceland? Helping me, Snorla Richard Sverison, to answer these questions and to provide clarity about the turmoil is Tina Treistadottir of Landsvirkjun. A warm welcome to you, Tina. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Um, I'd like to start, Tina, by talking a little bit more generally about Iceland and guarantees of origin or geos or short. How important are they for Landsvirkjun? Well, let me start by saying that Landsvirkjun has been selling geos to the international market since 2011. And of course, what's so special about Iceland and guarantees of origins coming from Iceland is that we have a 100% renewable system. And uh, also, Landsvirkjun is selling TÜV-SUT uh, certified, both hydro and geothermal guarantees of origin. Uh, and that has been a certification that we have now had for the last uh, 10 consecutive years. And uh, this does verify that our geos operations are in line with best practices. I would also like to say that uh, our energy generation has among the lowest carbon intensity in the energy sector. And uh, Landsvirkjun as a company has a goal of becoming carbon neutral uh, within short. And we are a company that's recognized among global climate leaders. But uh, the increased income from TOs, that does support our future build-up, obviously. And uh, we have in our pipeline a few planned projects, both in hydro, in wind, as well as in geothermal. And uh, the increased value of guarantees of origin is facilitating that future build-out and also the energy transition in Iceland. So clearly the geos are becoming more and more important for the energy sector in Iceland and the uh, society um, as a whole. And it's, you know, if we reflect back uh, since uh, the company's inception, so since uh, Landsvirkjum was established 58 years back, we have had all along the vision uh, of getting a premium for the fact that we are producing green energy. And this vision is now finally materializing as the value of the geos are becoming more and more. Mm, absolutely. And obviously, the huge increase in value of the geos has, has helped this transition to green energy, and as you say, has spurred the development of renewable capacity on the island. But um, if I can ask you, I don't want to mention, you don't need to mention companies or anything, but where are Icelandic geos exported? Obviously, there's no physical interconnection between Iceland and the continent or other parts of Europe yet. Um, but where, what are the main export markets for, for geos from Iceland? So Landsvirkin is uh, producing around 15 terawatt hours a year. So most of the geos are exported over 90%. Um, however, the demand locally is picking up and we are seeing a shift there. Uh, it's coming from smaller and medium-sized companies. It's also coming from the power-intensive side. 
So, for example, the, the two last PPAs that we have entered into is one global on one hand, uh, it's a data center, international data center, and then Landtelte, which is a fish farming company. Both of those PPIs have been, uh, well, those two customers have chosen to purchase guarantees of origin uh, as well. And if I go back two, three years when I was sitting in meetings with our customers, you know, uh, trying to to push, you know, the, the GOs. You know, there was very little traction. But now it's the customers' customers that are interested. So this is a game changer and this is a real shift that we are seeing. So these companies, they see an advantage. In some cases, they will even get uh, access to premium market for their products uh, if they have uh, the certification in place. But uh, the largest market for geos is Germany. So that's where most of our geos are exported to. We have, uh, as I mentioned before, been selling geos since internationally since 2011. So over the past uh, decade or, or more, more than a decade, we have been building business relationships uh, across Europe. So we have over 30 customers and uh, our geos are exported across Europe. So Germany, Netherlands, Italy, Belgium, Norway, what have you. So our customers are both companies that trade in environmental commodities and are assisting companies on their sustainability journey, but also, but to a smaller extent, uh, we have corporates or end users as a customers. That's a, a quite a wide spectrum of customers that and I'm, I'm also just uh, interested in how this kind of niche market, albeit a very important revenue stream for Landsvirkin, is seen in Iceland in your home domestic markets in the, amongst the general public. Yes. So geos, they have been a contested topic in Iceland as it is clear to consumers and the general public that Iceland's electricity system is 100% renewable. However, with increased awareness and understanding of the purpose of the geosystem, uh, we have felt a, a positive shift in the opinion of the general public. And now also with the, with the increased prices of geos and the associated increased revenue stream, this is demonstrating that the system is finally starting to work and that the renewable claim has become worth something. And this is uh, directly related to the increased environmental awareness of consumers. And Landsvirkin as a company, we have emphasized being transparent and clear uh, regarding the geo system and the, the, our geo operations. And this includes communicating, you know, uh, the importance of the increased value of Iceland geos and, and the revenues associated. So with the current market value of geos, we are anticipating that the entire power sector in Iceland will annually be receiving somewhere around 150 million euros annually uh, in the future. And we believe that this is very important uh, when it comes to, you know, uh, increased support uh, for the geosystem in Iceland. But Landsvirkin isn't the only uh, company that produces geos in, in Iceland, is it? Or generates geos from, from renewable generation? Correct. So at least the three largest uh, energy companies in Iceland are selling uh, geos to the international market. Uh, but it's becoming more and more attractive also for the for the smaller producers to sell their geos. So we, we might see that um, um, happen uh, down down the road, and and obviously uh, an important revenue stream for those smaller sized companies in production and could support their further build up uh, of renewable energy. 
Absolutely. I mean, Landsberg, obviously, is by far the biggest producer. So that's, you know, a very important player here, I would say. Um, but, you know, in, in Norway, for example, there's lots of opposition from industry uh, to the geosystem. Is, is, it, is it the same in Iceland? Is that is especially the big kind of aluminium producers have often, uh, uh, you know, often come out against or heavily criticized um, the guarantees of origin markets? Is, is that the situation? Is that how it's reflected in Iceland, too? Yeah, I th- you're correct that uh, there has been uh, opposition to the uh, geosystem in Iceland, and you make the, the reference to Norway as well. We are marking a change in perception. You know, one of the reasons, you know, why there has been opposition, at least in the Icelandic uh, context, obviously the purpose of the European geosystem is to promote increased renewable electricity generation. And as Iceland electricity system is already fully renewable and not physically connected to European grid uh, industry in Iceland, or some have claimed that Iceland should therefore not be able to participate in the system. We've also heard, you know, from industry concerns that the geos and the increased price in geos, this could impact the competitiveness of the industry. But uh, if you look at the international power markets, the the power prices in Iceland are competitive. So the GO uh, per se, that's not going to impact the competitiveness of the industry uh, in Iceland. Absolutely, because you know, Iceland was obviously quite well shielded from the huge price spikes in power prices um, uh, following um, the invasion of, of of Ukraine by Russia. Yeah. If yeah. I may add, you know, you know, if if you turn things the other way around, and and ask the question, you know, if Iceland were not to participate in the geo market, you know, this is the only international verification for renewable electricity usage, uh, and that would mean that that would not be available to consumers, and Icelandic companies would not be able to support their claim uh, of using renewable electricity, and you know, by that way, we could lose the competitive advantage and obviously green premium uh, for the renewable resources. And in addition, it would be a breach of the EU agreement, you know, if we were not able to participate in the system. Absolutely. I mean, this, this question of verification is is all important, isn't it? And, and, and as you mentioned, the, the GEO is the only certificate that provides that verification that's, you know, internationally recognised. Um, but, Tina, let me, let me turn now to what happened in late April. I mean, it was literally the decision by the Association of Issuing Bodies, <laughs> a bit of a tongue twister there, um, literally overnight banned the import of Icelandic geos into Europe. What was your reaction? Well, you know, this came, as you point out, you know, out of the blue. So uh, there was a, a, an article published in uh, a German uh, media it was talking about potential double uh, counting in Iceland. So following that, AIB uh, conducted an investigation of the alleged double claiming or double counting of renewable electricity attributes in Iceland. And there was a rectification order that was um, put in place April 28th uh, with the immediate suspension of Icelandic uh, geos. Uh, so since the ban was put in place, we have put a lot of efforts, a lot of work into working with AIB uh, and then subsequently the German Environmental Agency providing necessary data. And uh, we've been able to uh, provide evidence that uh, there is no double counting taking place in Iceland, meaning that the electricity producers and, and Landsvirkin in this case 
is just selling the renewable attributes once. So there are not PPAs with green attributes included and, and the geos are then sold for the same um, energy elsewhere. Okay, so that's that's the core of the issue, that the AIB was under the impression that that this was happening, that you were selling the certificate twice. Yeah, so that was uh, one angle. And then there were also uh, talks about double claiming, which is when a electricity consumer is claiming to use renewable energy without purchasing geos. But uh, there, there's nothing in the legislative framework. You know, there's no enforcement. There's no, you know, surveillance, if you will. So uh, I think with respect to uh, double counting, you know, we've been able to demonstrate that there's no double counting taking place in Iceland and hence the decision by AIB to lift the ban and then subsequently by UPA. And when it comes to double claiming, you know, the situation in Iceland is no different from in other uh, European uh, countries. So uh, this must have taken you quite by surprise then? Yes, uh, that's safe to say. I mean, obviously, there have been through the years uh, talks about, you know, double claiming and, and the issues associated with double claiming. But it catches by surprise that, you know, uh, Iceland per se, you know, there, there were so severe actions being taken by Iceland, whereas the situation is no different in Iceland than uh, in other European countries. And this was purely on the basis of an article in German media, you say, Tina? Yeah, as we understand, that's, you know, what set this off. That's what initially triggered the investigation. Mm. I mean, you know, the role of the AIB here is quite interesting because it has, it, that's a very powerful position it has. If it suddenly creates these kind of ripples in the market on, on the basis of something it reads in the media, it seems, seems to be, you know, quite, <laughs> quite a powerful position. Yeah. And uh, I mean, there is still to some degree uh, lack of clarity in the market. So, uh, you know, market participants, they've seen, you know, the recent final decision coming from Germany, the Europe, the German uh, Environmental Agency. Uh, but but uh, so AIB conditionally lifted the ban. So there is a, a report uh, or certain conditions that need to be met by uh, October. So I think the market is a little bit confused about this, you know, why has UPA lifted and, and AIB is still there. But we continue to work with AIB to to permanently uh, get the ban lifted and unconditionally. Uh, absolutely. So Germany, the, the German environmental agency, the UBA, um, hasn't placed any conditions on the suspension of the ban, has it? or the lifting of the ban, I mean. No, this was a final decision by the uh, German environmental agency. Okay, and what were the conditions that the AIB placed on this, and why why were they why did they react differently to Germany? So uh, I think you know at this point in time, the German environmental agency probably has more information than AIB. So we are just working on getting the last set of information and data set to AIB. But uh, you talked about the conditions that AIP, AIP put in place. So they are looking towards um, the competent um, authorities in Iceland. Uh, to put in place a mechanism so for following up on uh, double claiming of renewable attributes in Iceland to have the proper enforcement in place. But, you know, from our viewpoint, you know, this can't be, you know, a treated differently in Iceland. This just needs to be a, in European legislation, this needs to be a pan-European effort. Uh, absolutely. And it sets in some ways, what I'm hearing from, from market participants, it sets quite a worrying 
precedent in a sense. What would your advice be to to other other companies out there who are you know exporting and selling geos? Well, I think uh, there are certain rules uh, and a certain legislative framework. So, um, I mean, I think we should work together on further developing the rules of the game, so to so to speak. But I think you know the, this is the current legal context, and and I think we just all we need to you know agree that you know that that's the framework that we are working within. You know, are you quite confident then that once the AIB has all the information, all the data that it requires, that the ban will be lifted unconditionally uh, and finally on, on the on in October? Yes, and we are seeing that there is still demand for Icelandic geos, and there's a strong uh, demand, in fact. And uh, we've seen that com- companies and customers are approaching us now immediately following uh, UPA's decision. Yeah, and, and in recent years, the price development of Iceland geos uh, has been followed closely by the development Nordic hydro market prices. And we are expecting this continue, but nonetheless, and uh, you know, any uncertainty uh, in a market, you know, whether it's financial market, power markets, or for geos, you know, any uncertainty is extremely damaging. And therefore, we are doing everything in our power to clarify the situation, provide data and evidence to make sure that uh, no such ban will be put in place again. Mm, absolutely. I mean, you know, it'd be interesting to on a future podcast for on the Montel Weekly to have the AIB put their case. But in, in the meantime, uh, I'd like to, to ask you a bit about the, the future outlook for, for Icelandic geos. How is that likely to develop over the years to come? I mean, we've seen in the last few years, there is more demand than we are able to supply. So uh, I think we're continuing to see strong demand. And someone said that any crisis, there comes an opportunity. And out of this crisis, I think, you know, we have been strengthening the bonds with our customers. We have invited our customers to come to visit Iceland to see the power plants and to educate and so on and so forth. So I think uh, the the future outlook uh, for the for geos in Iceland, we think that we will continue to see uh, local demand picking up, and and then also continued strong demand internationally. And that includes kind of industrial players, data centers, these kind of companies that are looking to Iceland also to to set up set up shop there, if you like. Yes, exactly. Tina, thank you very much for providing uh, a very detailed uh, and insightful explanation of of what happened in late May and May and uh, and how the importance of geos for for Iceland but also generally for the wider energy transition thank you very much for being a guest on the Montel Weekly podcast thank you for having me